0: Welcome to the Catalan Podcast. I'm Jeff Pucklin. I run the content marketing program here at Catalan, a platform that connects enterprises with industry specialists. I'm excited to host Diane Mulcahy today, a guest that is aligned with our mission to reimagine the world of work as a flexible and dynamic place. Diane is an adjunct lecturer, senior fellow at the Kauffman Foundation, and author of the book, The Gig Economy. Thanks for joining us, Diane.
1: Thanks, Jeff. Glad to be here.
0: I thought I'd turn it over to you to just give us a little bit of a a bio of yourself uh, before we jump into the conversation.
1: Well, I think you covered it in the intro. Um, I'm the recent author of The Gig Economy, and I'm an adjunct lecturer in the MBA program at Babson College. I created and have been teaching a class on the gig economy there for the past five years, and I'm a senior fellow at the Kauffman Foundation.
0: Very good. Well, we're excited to have you. Um, Wanted to start off talking gig economy (laughs) and how it relates to your research and your experience. So how did you become interested in the gig economy? Was there something in your background or your experience that's kind of led you to being passionate about this topic?
1: Well, I think I always, um, I always felt like I wanted a work life that looked different than nine to five in an office. And, The genesis of this idea really came when I was reading an article that used the term the gig economy. And as soon as I saw the term, I had one of those moments where I had little goosebumps and I was like, oh my God, that is the name of the thing that I have been thinking about uh, for my work life and for my life. This idea that you can have an interesting and varied portfolio of things that you do. And I had the draft syllabus done a week later. (laughs)
0: Very cool. So I guess building off of that, um, you know, we're, we're nearing kind of graduation season for, uh, for folks that are in school. And as a professor, how do you advise students that are moving into the working world?
1: Yeah. And I have a lot of um, MBA students that are graduating take my class. So they, mm-hmm. they realize, oh my gosh, you know, I'm graduating in a few months. I really need to get it together in terms of getting out into the work world and preparing for that. Um, I have three main pieces of advice. One is I tell my students to define their own success. So I think particularly for MBA students, you know, there's a lot of pressure to graduate and take one of the normal high profile jobs in consulting or investment banking and then you end up working all kinds of hours and you start living this kind of very ordinary life. Um, and for the students who take my class, I take them through a series of exercises, many of which are in my book, um, and that's really designed to help them identify what really matters to them, what's important to them, what are their priorities, what are their values, what does success look like for them, and try to crystallize that idea before graduating so, they're, so that they can then go execute that version of success, their own version. The second, thing I, the second piece of advice I tell them is, um, stop looking for a job <laughs> and join the gig economy. There is no such thing as job security anymore. Job security is dead. And I really encourage them to avoid this employee mindset where you know, you take a job and you basically outsource everything to a company, your professional development, your sense of financial stability, your sense of security. And so my advice is, uh, Don't rely on a job to give you all of those things. Think about joining the gig economy and putting together a portfolio of work that is interesting and challenging for you and that allows you to accomplish the professional goal, the professional and personal goals that are important to you. The third piece of advice is even if you do end up taking a full-time job, always have a side gig. There is no job security, and you should always kind of be thinking about what's my next gig, and what else am I interested in doing besides this full-time job? And if you have a side gig, it's such a great way to develop other skills, to expand your network, um, and to explore ideas and passions that you're interested in. So those are my main pieces of advice.
0: And are, are students generally receptive to that advice? Uh, you know, I know if, if I was being given that advice coming out of school, I, I think I would be thinking about, um, you know, not necessarily going down the traditional path and uh, kind of making my life what I, what I want it to be. Is that, you know, does that energize students?
1: Well, I would say at first, um, there's a lot of fear and anxiety. So in my class, there's, uh, it's sensation rich. Uh, there's a lot of emotion at first as students really start to think about these bigger questions and their mindset starts to shift from this kind of default path. But once they get through that, there's enormous energy for sure. Yeah, and, and a sense of just huge possibility.
0: Right. Very cool. So, in one of your articles that I read, uh, you talk about the American Dream transforming to prioritize experiences over material goods and quality of life over quantity of stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was curious (laughs) if you could elaborate on the quality of life and kind of the types of experiences that people are are looking for now.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean the traditional American dream is really about quantity of stuff, right? It's about the house and the car and the consumer goods. And uh, I think people are really moving away from that and focusing much more on an an American dream that really is about quality of life and about experiences versus goods. Um, And through my interviews when I was researching the book and certainly hearing from my students, I think the quality of life, the experiences that people are seeking are really around uh, travel is a big one. That's always comes out at the top of the list. Um, Volunteering, this idea of giving back is a big theme, particularly among students. And I think there's just a broader theme around uh, people. So it's important for people to be able to spend time with Family with friends. Um, I think that's become a much higher priority for a lot of people. So it's really about being able to carve out the time and the space to have those experiences. And it's not all about working. It, it's about having the time to have the experiences that you want to have.
0: Do you? So you, you talk. Um... A lot about the skill sets needed to function in this new gig economy Um, and I I read something that you wrote around um, saying that workers who possess technical management leadership uh, abilities are positioned to take on uh, this kind of life in the the flexible workforce Mm -hmm. uh, maybe better than others Um, but besides skill set can you talk a little bit about what sort of personality do you think it takes to, to thrive in this space?
1: Well, I think in terms of personality, uh, being a little bit entrepreneurial definitely helps. Um, being a bit of a self starter um, and somebody who has you know good organization and discipline. I think if you think about somebody in uh, a busy job or um, you know, somebody dealing, you know, in our economy today, even if you're in the traditional jobs economy, the median job tenure for somebody under 35 is only two to three years. So for most people, they are always thinking about their next opportunity and preparing for that and assessing what their skills are and keeping track of what's going on in in the market. Um, And I think all of those same skills, if you have, if you have the ability to be organized, be disciplined, be self-starting, be entrepreneurial in terms of thinking about your future and your next opportunities, that's going to serve you well whether you're in the gig economy or the jobs economy or in a really busy job. I think those those are skills that benefit you at work.
0: And do you think that kind of self-motivation and discipline uh, is for everyone? I mean, is, is that something that everybody... Uh, inherently has or can can grow to learn
1: um. I don't think everybody has it I think it's something that the economy is forcing on people so like I said even if you are an employee uh, you may prefer to just stay at your job for 10 or 15 years but you might not have that opportunity and so you're forced to kind of go out and look for your next your next full-time situation Um, so I think the economy is forcing us to be uh, entrepreneurial and opportunity-seeking more than maybe many people would prefer. Right. But it's the reality of the world that we, the work world that we live in.
0: So I want to shift gears from talking about kind of the employee to the employer a bit. Um, and I know you've done a lot of research. How have the traditional companies that you've researched? responded to the gig economy? Have they shifted the way that they manage their resources?
1: Yeah, I mean, for traditional companies, you know, some have been very um, early adopters of the gig economy in that they a significant portion of their workforce includes independent workers, or temporary workers, or part-time workers. For other companies, they've been much slower to adapt. Um, so it really does—it really does vary. Uh, I think that companies are realizing the benefits of in, of working with independent workers. They are cheaper. They're more flexible. They allow companies to access on-demand skills and expertise when they need it. And a lot of companies are getting their heads around moving away from structuring work as a full-time job, and instead disaggregating that. So um, one example is instead of, let's say, posting a position for a VP of marketing, you might have a company that says, you know what? I'm going to get a social media person. I'm going to get a part-time marketing person, and then I'm going to work with an agency part-time. So instead of organizing that work into a VP of marketing job, they've disaggregated it into a number of projects that are available to independent workers. And I think we're going to see that trend uh, much more.
0: Yeah, that's that's fascinating. Um, you know, I think that that's a good segue into. You know something that you talk about a lot I, I read an article in the Harvard Business Review where you talked about um, kind of more the, the managerial aspect of, of employees so uh, how people are managed today is by time and place um, and you know I think it's you had mentioned it's pretty easy as a manager to see people that are at their desk from <laughs> 9 to 5 on a day-to-day basis but uh, it's much harder to measure and develop uh, a system that allows you to evaluate the value that those employees are bringing. And mm-hmm. as we shift to uh, more of this kind of gig economy approach, it's going to be more important for managers to identify the ways that they um, quantify the value. Um, and so the first question is, do you think that the nine to five uh, will disappear? And you know, where uh, do you think a physical office space uh, plays into the equation? Yeah
1: i do think the gig economy brings about some management challenges right so managing nine to five is such an old idea based around you know if somebody's in the office i can get a measure of the fact that they're being productive or engaged or delivering results and for most knowledge workers certainly that doesn't uh, that's not the case and i think this idea even affects even if you think about. Retail workers who used to be assigned shifts. I mean now they're using technology to staff according to demand right when are the customers there and when do we need people. So I feel like both uh, more flexible workers and technology are changing this whole idea of when do people do work and when do they need to do work. Um, I think Nine to five is a hard concept to defend. Um, Do I think it will entirely disappear? I don't know. It's certainly not disappearing quickly enough. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it's hard to see the value of nine to five. I do think for most businesses, there are, um, and there have been a lot of articles written about companies that have tried things like we want all our employees in the office two days a week, or we want people available consistently between 11 and 3. Like, having core hours where people are accessible and available and can easily meet and talk to one another. But does it have to be 9 to 5 in an office? I don't think so. Mm -hmm. I think that's a very hard case to make. Um, So hopefully it will disappear.
0: (laughs) Well, and you you mentioned uh kind of retail and the technology that they have to um you know track employees and i thought we had talked about this a little bit before off the air that there was uh, an article in the economist that came out recently about um you know kind of forward thinking ways to to track uh employees or um to track performance and um you know one of the ways was that they mentioned in the article was around monitoring employees through cell phone subscriptions mm-hmm. and you know giving employees cell phones that have GPS devices uh, in them. Uh, do you think that um, is that kind of big brother uh, looking at us or is it a trade-off um, that as employees will be willing to make in exchange for kind of a flexible dynamic lifestyle?
1: Well, I think managing by time and place, right? Like who's at their desk nine to five has a little bit of a big brother uh, feel to it. Um, And I think if we move away from that old model of you have to be in the office in order for me to be convinced that you're doing anything, then it has to be replaced by something. And I think what management will look like going forward will be much more focused on the results that employees deliver um, specific deliverables that they're responsible for, value that they bring to the table. Uh, so I think it will be much more individual. When And I think technology has a role to play there. Um, and certainly mo- all companies have the ability today, uh, and uh, employees sign away any right of privacy when they join a company um, and take a, a company equipment. But uh, companies have the ability today to see what, workers are doing on their computers to see what their email looks like. Um, Do I think that it makes sense for companies to be tracking where workers are (laughs) outside of work hours or even within work hours? I don't see the argument for that. What does it matter where you are? Mm -hmm. Um, People can do their work where and when they want if you're a knowledge worker. So I don't think there's a good argument for that. Um, But I do think this idea of monitoring Where workers are and when they're there is a very old-fashioned notion uh, that the gig economy is going to wean employers away from. Because when you hire independent contractors, you cannot control when and where they do the work. Otherwise, they're considered an employee. So it's a very important distinction.
0: Yep. And just going off of that, how do you, as as a manager or as a business, think about integrating uh, workers that are independent into your business? What, what does that like I- integration and relationship look like?
1: Well, I think that's where the challenge is because what happens is if you're a manager and you have employees that you're telling, okay, you have to come into the office and you have to be here and, uh, and then you have independent workers on the team who are dialing in, who can be wherever they want and who are working flexible hours, It can be very difficult to manage that because the employees are unhappy with that, I think more than that, at least that's what I've heard from managers. It's hard to manage because employees are seeking that flexibility and that ability to control their own work schedule. Mm -hmm. Um, And that I think is the challenge. So as a manager, you really have to think about, is there a real reason why I can't manage all of my workers that way?
0: so as we kind of come to a close here i wanted to ask you one more question around advice that you would give to business leaders that are trying to benefit and move towards a direction where they're leveraging the gig economy what would that uh piece of advice be
1: i mean i would say hire independent workers you know start by figuring out um what are some specific projects or specific tasks or responsibilities that you could outsource to an independent worker and see what it's like to work with somebody like that and get used to managing a person based on their results and deliverables versus being in the office. That's great,
0: yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Diane. Uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with us.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. This has been
0: great. Hopefully we can get you back as a guest (laughs) sometime in the future. Um, So don't forget to check out Diane's book, Gig Economy, the complete guide to getting better work, taking more time off, and financing the life you want. We'll see you back here next time.